welcome, and thank you for listening to Waypoint Community Church Podcasts. We hope you enjoy. Well, good morning. Welcome to Waypoint Community Church. My name is Nick Raimondo. I get the privilege of serving on staff here alongside some great people, and I just want to thank you for being here this morning. Um, Really, Sunday is my favorite day of the week. When I look around throughout the week, I, uh, I look forward to this day. And it's not just because during football season I can watch football or the end of a good golf tournament or because it's another day to spend time with family or to relax. It's, it's because of you guys. It's because of the church coming together, using the gifts that God gave us to be more dynamic, more engaging, to share his message in our community. I really appreciate each and every one of you that are here, and Waypoint does too. We value you. We know that you being here means you had to give something up. You gave up the most precious thing that I think our culture has. You gave up your time. You could have chosen to sleep in. You could have chosen to stay out with friends late last night and uh, skip church today. Maybe there's some students here who did stay out late and your parents still drag your butts here. I don't know. But you chose to come and to learn a little bit about Jesus and ultimately glorify his name. And what I hope, what Waypoint hopes, is from the time that you get out of your car to the time that you shake a greeter's hand, grab a cup of coffee, enter the worship center, sing some songs, pray over one another. That was a really cool moment. I really enjoyed seeing that happen. Listening to worship or listening to some dude ramble on. That that you experience something that you can't anywhere else because it's what God desired. It's what he made. The church coming together, meeting, whether it's Sunday morning, Saturday night, Thursday morning, and glorifying his name. And you get to be a part of that. And since you've chosen to do that, it allows us to continue to learn more about Jesus. So thank you for giving up the time and being here today and glorifying Jesus is what we're going to talk about. See, what I wonder is, is it enough for us to come to church on Sunday? Is it enough for us to come to church on Wednesday night? Is it enough for us to go to small group? Or are there other ways that God is calling us to glorify him in our daily life? How does that even look? Is that even possible? What's our calling in life, and how do we respond to God if he is asking us to glorify him in everything that we do? But before we get there, I want to take a moment, and I want to allow you to quiet your spirit, just to take a moment, take a breath from the busyness of the world. I know you've had a lot of things pulling at your attention. You've been running all over the place, whether it's taking your kids places, going to sporting events, doing different things, and right now you have a moment to just catch your breath. And what I want to ask you to do is just to quietly bow your head and just to give God some praise. Thank him for what he's done for you in your life. Think about this past week, month, year. Maybe he's delivered you into a job that you absolutely love, and it's given you an opportunity to provide for your family. Maybe he's allowed you to have kids, and you love the blessing of your children. Just praise God for a few moments, and then I'll come in and conclude with prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for an opportunity to gather as a group of believers. Lord, you have blessed us with so many incredible churches in our county, in our country, and around the world. Let it be our prayer today that our goal is to glorify you in everything that we do, that we learn more about you, that our heart desires to know you and to grow, to be more like you. Lord, you have given us so many blessings. You, you allow us to be here freely worshiping your name. I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I'm so thankful for the people that chose to give up time to come here today to hear more about you. They deeply desire to know you more, to love you more. Lord, and what I ask is that our spirits of the busyness and the hustle and bustle is quieted over the next 30 minutes or so, and we just hear your voice, that whatever we need to hear is extremely loud to each and every one of us, that we know you are present and you are guiding our lives. You are showing us things that we need to learn or things that we need to do, and that we have the courage to leave here and adjust course towards you. Lord, we thank you and love you for everything that you've done, and we ask that you bless this time we have together. In your name I pray, amen. So this idea of glorifying God in every aspect came to me through a conversation that I had with somebody. I was talking with someone who's been a lifelong follower of Christ, and what they said to me was, you know what, I've just come to a conclusion. The conclusion is simple. God does not care about my happiness. He cares that I glorify him in every situation. And when I heard that at first, I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? How can you have followed Jesus for as long as you have and conclude that he doesn't care about you, that he doesn't care about your happiness? What I was hearing was God doesn't care about you, Nick Ramundo. And I started to take offense to that because I could have said, look, from the beginning of time, from the creation of man, God has done things over and over again, and we are the ones that have turned our back on him. How can you say that he doesn't care about us? But as I continued to listen to her, I started to realize there was something else behind the heart and the motivation. And what she was saying was, listen, God had a perfect plan at the beginning. It was supposed to be where all that we would do is live a life that glorified him. There would be no hurts. There would be no bad habits. There would be no pain. It would be us living with him in paradise. But as we all know, Adam and Eve sinned. We all would have done it. And there were consequences because of that sin. Darkness entered the world. God loved Adam and Eve enough to give them space, to allow them to make a choice, just like he allows, loves us enough to give us a choice whether we want to follow him or not. But there are consequences because of those choices that we make. And because of those consequences, there's been so much darkness that has entered that I have heard people come to a conclusion. The conclusion that they've come to is how in the world can there even be a God? If there is civil wars, if there is genocide, if there are refugees being kicked out of their country, if there is poverty, if there is homelessness, if there are all these negative things, there is absolutely no way that an all-loving, omnipresent God can exist. It's just not possible. But the problem is, they're caught up in the day-to-day. -day. And if it were me, and I were to turn on the news and look at all the negative things that are happening, I could easily conclude the same thing. You're right, 
there probably isn't a God. There's a lot of junk going on in our lives. But the answer to that, or the thing that we know, is that there's a bigger game at play here. There's an infinite game. We're playing for the long game. We understand that God had a plan for us and has a purpose. And that if we can weather these storms and get through the day-to-day, we have a chance to glorify him through our life, even through the bad things, and lift his name up. But it's not easy. It's not fun. And so how am I supposed to go to my wife, who lost her father 68 days ago, and say, hey, all you got to do is glorify God. That's all he's calling us to do. That's not realistic. That's not fair. There is mourning and pain in this life. But are there ways to glorify God through the mourning and pain? Are there ways to glorify God when you face the toughest thing in your life? Can you glorify God when life is just going normal? How is it? Are we even called to glorify God? I think it's pretty clear. In Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the church of Corneth, and he's explaining to them a little bit about this idea that, listen, You have free will. You can do whatever you want. God loves us enough to create separation or allow us to have choices. If we choose to come close to him, then he'll draw close to us. But just because you have free will, just because you accepted salvation, doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do. Instead, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. God is asking for us to glorify him in everything that we do. But how do we do that in a world that is full of darkness, brokenness, hurts, pains, habits, diseases? How can we glorify God? Well, to answer that question, I want to dive into an Old Testament book of the Bible called Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a book, um, was a prophecy. It was a prophetic book. Ezekiel was a gentleman that lived in the 6th century, Before becoming a prophet, he had the privilege of being a priest serving in Jerusalem around the temple. He was young age in his mid-20s, and he, he loved serving the Lord. He chose to glorify God in everything that he did by becoming a priest. Now, along with that, they were also living in a time of history where different countries and nations were rising up. They were starting to cause a lot of turmoil and fighting amongst one another. And so there was a group called the Assyrians that took over. They took control, and they went into total domination mode. However, what they would allow is groups of people to live and function under their watchful eye. As soon as an uprising was heard about, or as soon as you threatened or they perceived you as threatening them, they would bring the hammer down on your group of people. And that's what happened. Ezekiel's this practicing priest. He's going about his daily duties. And next thing he knows, the Assyrians are gathering him, a bunch of nobles, a bunch of high priests together, and exiling them out of the country that they knew and sending them to the banks of the Babylon River. And as they got exiled out of Jerusalem, he's got to figure out what is my next step in life How do I respond to this? How can I glorify God when I'm on the outside now? My plan has completely changed. I thought life was going to go one way, and now it's going in a different direction. And this was something that I believe Ezekiel struggled with. For five years, he sat there until his next mission in life came to him. And it comes in Ezekiel 
chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles in the Kabar River, the heavens were opened. I saw a vision of God. See, this is the first time that Ezekiel becomes called to be a prophet. Ezekiel's no longer going to need to worry about his priestly duties. He's going to focus on becoming a prophet. And what that means is he's going to warn the Israelite nation what's about to happen, what's about to come. What's really unique about this is where it says, in my 30th year, as a priest, in your 30th year, you would have gotten a privilege. Your privilege would have been, you would have been able to put your name in a hat to serve in the temple for a, second, for a certain ceremony that lasted two days throughout the year. And what you would get to do is go in the temple and prepare it, pray over it, do a bunch of different ritualistic things to get it ready. But since Ezekiel was on the outside in Babylon, that would never be an option for him. And I can imagine he was sitting there saying, God, what do you have for my life? I'm almost 30. Right now is when I could be in your temple serving you, but you'll never give me that opportunity because I've been exiled. And God shows up with a bigger plan, and Ezekiel has a choice. Am I going to serve God? Am I going to live out these visions that he's given me to warn the Israelite nation, or am I just done with this? Ezekiel says, yes, God, I'll glorify you in everything you want. What do you need me to do? Well, for Ezekiel's response, yes, I'll glorify you. Let's see what happened to him. In Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 1 through 8, there's a few of the verses on the screen. It says, then lie on your side. God is talking to Ezekiel. Then lie on your side and put the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days that you lie on your side. I have assigned the same number of days as the year of their sin. So for 390 days, you will bear the sin of the people of Israel. After you finished, lie down again, this time on your right side, and bear the sin of the people of Judah. I assigned 40 days for each day, a day for each year. Turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem and with bared arms prophesy against her. I will tie you up with ropes so you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have finished the day of your siege. Ezekiel said yes, and God said, okay, right now you know that Israel is in rough shape. The Assyrians are starting to take over. They're starting to captive you. They're exiling different people, sending you to refugee camps. And what I need you to do is to do some sort of street performance that everybody will understand when they see you. And the street performance is gonna communicate a message that says, Israel, your sin is what's caused this. God is gonna turn his back on us. He's gonna bound me on the ground and he's gonna allow Assyria to gain control of us. At this time, the Israelites would have been looking for answers. They would have been looking for somebody to say, God's going to come in in a mighty way and destroy everybody else and lift up the Israel nation again. However, his message was, we're going to face some tough years ahead. Not a popular message to bring. But he did it faithfully, and he laid on his side for over a year. Ezekiel 24, what else happened to him? Son of man, with one blow, I will take away the delight of your eyes. You are not to lament or weep or shed tears. Groan quietly. Do not mourn for the dead. Keep your turban fastened and your sandals on your feet. 
Do not cover your mustache and beard or eat customary food of the mourners. So Ezekiel spoke to the people in the morning, and in the evening his wife died. The next morning he did as he was commanded. God says, hey, Ezekiel, thanks for saying yes. Thanks for lying on your side for over a year. Now guess what? I'm going to show you how the Israelites should respond by killing your wife and taking her away from you. And the way that you respond, the way that you mourn for her in private, not publicly as a pity party, is the same way the Israelites should respond. When the temple's completely destroyed, when they feel like there's no more, there is no reason for them to be out publicly crying, letting everyone know that it's unfair. Where is our God? Instead, they should mourn quietly. So, so for Ezekiel, he chooses to say, God, I'm going to glorify you in everything. He gets exiled. His, his life of being a priest changes to being a prophet. His wife is killed. He has to lay on his side. Now, now listen, not just lay on his side. When he laid on his side, he was able to have a ration of food that he had to cook over cow manure that sat right next to him. I can't imagine for over a year sitting with my face right next to a pile of poop. That alone, I'd be out. I'd say, no, I'm done. Forget it. No more. God, that's too much. I'll clean the temple. What do I need to do? I can't have my face next to that. But Ezekiel says, yes. He says, I'm going to glorify you. It doesn't matter how bad things are. I'm here to honor you. Why is it that Ezekiel can say yes in those situations? If we can understand why he says yes, maybe we can understand how we can respond to God and say, yes, we'll glorify you even when bad things happen. Yes, we'll glorify you even when there's death in our life, even when there's destruction, when there's disease, when there's all this pain, we still will choose to glorify you, God. Why does Ezekiel choose to do that? Well, the truth is Ezekiel knew that the story wasn't over. He knew that there was way more to the story, and God showed him that through different visions, that when the temple was completely destroyed and thought of not being able to be raised again, God was going to show up in a mighty way. And in chapter 37 of Ezekiel, there's a section of dry bones. A lot of you guys probably have heard of it. There's a bunch of dry bones laying around in a desolate area. It represents the temple being completely destroyed. And I could explain or read it to you, but I think this video does a much better job. Check out this video, and then we'll talk about it. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. 
prophesied as he commanded and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. See, I, I love that video because it portrays what, what we're living for. It's what Ezekiel was living for, the, the end game. If you get caught up in the day-to-day, there's no doubt that you're going to get frustrated and start living for the world, trying to find your own happiness. But if you understand that God has a bigger plan, a plan of restoring you, a plan of restoring us, then it will cause you to live in a completely different and drastic way. Listen, this promise wasn't just for Israel. Although Ezekiel was bringing the prophetic message, in Ezekiel 47, it continues to talk about how when the temple is rise and is rebuilt, water is going to flow from that temple. It's going to go into a river, and it's going to flow out amongst all of the world. And at some day, we will live in peace and harmony with God. That promise is there for you and for I today. We are upon the Easter season. We're going to be walking through some different messages that explain what Jesus did at this time in history. It's an opportunity for you to reflect on your life and to understand that when you live for the long game, the infinite game, you understand that you're going to lose battles. You're going to lose wars. You're going to face tough things, but you don't get caught up in those moments because you know there's something bigger at play, and you keep going. You keep striving for it. You keep working through it because you know that it's worth it. God is in the restoration business. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore me. He knows that we're broken people. He knows that we're messed up. But that's not the end of the story. The story will continue on. And it's through the love of Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross that allows us to do incredible and drastic things. It's the reason we say yes to God when it makes no sense, because it's an opportunity to glorify him. It looks like somebody buying a business late in life that makes absolutely no sense, but God put a passion on their heart. It looks like somebody switching careers. It looks like a group of teens deciding to switch friend groups because they know that the friends they're with may not be the best friends. It looks like somebody changing sports or activities from what they've always loved, but they feel like they just need to change direction in their life. When God calls upon you, it's not always going to be great. The results won't be wonderful. Look at Ezekiel. He said yes, and over and over again, he faced heartache. But when God calls you, it is worth saying yes, because you have an opportunity to glorify him in everything that you do, not just here on Sunday, not just at youth group on Wednesday or a women's Bible study on Thursday or whatever you may be a part of. God wants all of you. He wants you to glorify him by the way that you live your life. He wants you to live like Ezekiel because there's a bigger game at play here. I'm gonna ask Stephen to come up and Stephen's gonna play a song and then afterwards I'm gonna talk a little bit more. But while Stephen's coming up and getting stuff ready, I wanna prepare you for this song. What you're going to hear is a song that kind of concludes what we've talked about or kind of wraps it up. And what I'm going to ask that you reflect on during this song is that you think about your own life. I want you to think about 
How are you responding to God? Listen, we are all a group of broken people, me included. We are all messed up and we all need the love of Christ. But the way that you say yes to God can be very powerful in your personal walk. Are you saying yes? Is God presenting something with you that you need to reflect on that makes absolutely no sense, but maybe it's time for you to say yes to him and to step faithfully into that, not knowing what's on the other side, not knowing if there's gonna be hurt or if there's gonna be greatness, but knowing that a God that sent his son to die on the cross loves you enough to ask you to do something and that you're faithfully gonna trust him and glorify him in everything you do. Take a listen to this song and I'll be back.
some sort of illustration or imagery that you could take with you to reflect on this. Because it, it is my hope, it's my desire that not just you choose to say yes, but Waypoint chooses to say yes. And that we can be a dynamic community that is different than any other community out there. That says yes to God when it makes no sense. That broken, hurt, messed up people can come through the doors and find grace and love. And we can do that. We can do that as a body of Christ. And you're going to have to start practicing in your own life by saying yes. And I'll have to start practicing in my life. And at this Easter season, I can't imagine a better time than to say, God, thank you for what you did on the cross. I'm recommitting myself to you. I'm going to walk faithfully for you. And so what Ezekiel did while he laid on the side, on his side, was he cooked over poop. I said that earlier. And he made a plea to the Israelites to listen. And so this is my plea of poop to you. In here is a bunch of compost. Some of it's manure, some of it's compost. And I, I want you to remember this, that life isn't meant to be easy or great. God doesn't necessarily care about your happiness in every situation. What he cares about is that you glorify him because he knows that at the end, when he comes back, there's a bigger plan at play. And if you play for the long game, you will have an opportunity to experience a happiness that you can never have imagined. We will sit with our king in heaven. We'll get to glorify him by the way we live with each other. That's what we need to say yes to. So if you would, please bow your head as we finish today in prayer. Dear Lord, you know that I am messed up and broken. There is no doubt about it that you have come into my life and restored me. And you continue to restore me. But Lord, that's why I love this place of Waypoint. The mission, adjusting course towards you. That's what I'm constantly trying to do because I know that I can't make it through this life in a way that glorifies or honors you unless I continue to adjust and be more like you. I don't know what each person here today is facing. I don't know whether they just came today to hear a little bit about you. I don't know whether they've made some massive mistakes. And it's time for them to stop listening to me and to pray to you and say, God, I've messed up. Will you forgive me? I want to recommit my life to you. I want to walk faithfully through this Easter season knowing what your son did. Maybe there's someone here today that wants to know your love, that wants to accept you into their heart. They've never made a commitment in their faith and they're ready to say, God, Jesus came and died on the cross for my sins. I, I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it, but it's because of your grace alone. And since you sent your son to die on the cross, I'm going to faithfully follow you, and I'm going to say yes and pursue a life that glorifies you in everything that we do. Lord, I don't know where each person stands, but what I ask is over this next week, 
they keep this image of this bucket of poop and realize that sometimes life is kind of poopy. But even when it's poopy, we can glorify you. And it's the choices that we make that matter. And we're going to make the wrong choices. But it's the pursuit of continually adjusting and playing for the infinite game that matters. We love you and thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, thank you guys for being here with us today. We love you and appreciate each of you. Hope you have a great rest of your week. We are so glad you're able to experience what's happening here at Waypoint Community Church through our podcast. Our prayer is that these resources are a blessing to you. Please be sure to catch us again next time.